With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is KJ Live with Chris Johnson. And Chris is having conversations with influencers in the sports world and entertainment industry. Now here's Chris Johnson. You're now tuned in to KJ Live. I'm your host, Chris Johnson. Today's guest on the show was a two-time Gatorade State Player of the Year out of Oklahoma. Spent four years at UCLA on the basketball squad, graduating. He is my former teammate and one of the best dudes around. Please welcome Brandon Lloyd to the show. B. Lloyd, what's up? What's up, Stani? Thanks for having me. Man, anything and everything. Nice office setup you got there, bud. All right. What is the the picture in the background? Tulsa. What is that? That's from some old school stuff? Yeah, some old school uh, picture. That's the one I had when I was a little kid that I just ended up keeping and put in a frame. But it's a picture of like from 1982. And it's like a little cartoon thing when Nolan Richardson was the coach of Tulsa. And uh, I was kind of a, I was a ball boy, kind of all around. Yeah. Wow, the great Nolan Richardson who went on to win a national championship at the University of Arkansas and is regarded as one of the greatest minds in the history of basketball. So you were a ball boy for the, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, dog? Golden Hurricane in the Missouri Valley days. So Wichita State, Jim Les with Dick Versace, Hersey Hawkins, Xavier McDaniel, Antoine Carr. So really good basketball at a young age, uh, right when Nolan got there, Paul Pressey, Mike Anderson. I mean, really what? the era when it's all started for, for modern day Tulsa. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. What's it like, though? It's, I'm a kid. I'm, I grew up in South Central, dog. So what's it like growing up in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Oh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. You've been to Tulsa. So you, I've been, but I didn't grow up there, Lloyd. What's it like growing up there? Grow, best place to grow up. In all of the world. Why? Oklahoma. Well, during that time, from a basketball standpoint, you've got Nolan. You know, so you've got great hoops. You have great sports. You have great people. Um, you know, it's, it's big enough where you don't know everybody, but small enough where you do know everyone. And growing up there as a kid, especially with the basketball scene and just the culture of basketball, it was unbelievable. What high school did you go to out there? I went to Tulsa Memorial. So there's nine, I believe there's nine public schools in Tulsa public school system. And Tulsa, they have, uh, we're in the green country. So you had like Booker T. Washington, where Wayman Tisdale, Richard Dumas, Eton Thomas, R.W. McCorders. Sounds like the brothers. Sounds like the black school. So, so Booker yep. T. Washington, that's where the brothers went. Because out here in L.A., you know, our public school system is made up of a ton of schools, but schools are kind of segregated by neighborhoods, if you will. And so some schools, you know, have predominantly. So I, I'm curious when you're when you're you have this type of, you know, n- there's nine public schools in the city of Tulsa and that's your league and that's who you compete against. Yep. Shea Seals was at McLean and guys like Lee Mayberry were at Rogers. OK, so wow. I went to Memorial. So in the seven, it's a newer school starting in the 60s. It was kind of the the. You know, suburb school, by the time I got there, it was, uh, you know, mixed school. We were half and half. Yes. So we weren't out in the suburbs like the Jinx and the Owasso's and the big kind of sprawling, you know, football schools. So, yeah, Tulsa Memorial, uh, 
great basketball, good high school gyms, good crowds, high level competition, and, and good players uh, going through there. Yeah. Who was your biggest influence uh, as as a youngster as far as the game of basketball is concerned? Oh, I, I had a ton of them. Uh, not just one. I was a junkie. I was eat, I was ate up with the game. You know, starting with probably getting a basketball in my hand at four and playing. Uh, probably in the my first game, probably six or seven, and going to TU basketball games. If I wasn't playing it, I was watching it, and if I wasn't watching it, I was reading about it. You know, Basketball Times and Street and Smith. So I could, you know. So I remember watching the early Georgetown teams, the early, you know, eighty four, eighty five Georgetown oh. Villanova game, and being oh, sad that Georgetown lost because I loved Michael Jackson. The point. <laughs> Why you love Michael Jackson? So he was just sweet. You know, he had the shoes. It, you know, he was the guard. He was. He just, was sweet. Know, he was sweet. He, he was. was sweet. Sweet. So I was like, and I was rooting for Georgetown. They got beat, and I was sad. And uh, it's kind of my first vivid, like watching the game of basketball on TV yeah. and Karen who won. Yeah. Uh, so influences always. My favorite player ever is Chris Jackson from LSU because mm-hmm. you know he just go and pull and you know <laughs> just shoot it. So uh, and I love Pistol Pete Maravich. So that kind of LSU influence. That those two had, I, and I love Pistol Pete because of his love for the game. I mean, he yeah. was just a, a robot. He loved the game of basketball, and you know, I I was just ate up with the game of basketball. So I would kind of look for players that I could um, relate to. So you know, it would be the the smaller guards that could shoot. So, yeah. Well, you know, Chris Jackson makes sense. Chris Jackson makes sense. Um, who later on became Mahmoud Abdul Raouf for those. Not in the know, uh, one of the greatest arguably college scores that we've ever seen. 29 as a freshman, 32 as a sophomore at LSU with Shaq and Stanley Roberts and stuff. Um, big time. But so you look, you, you became inundated with the game. You started working on your game. You flourished. You became Oklahoma two time state player of the year. What was your recruiting situation like as a senior? Uh, so I, I, by the time I was a senior, I had uh, signed. I signed uh, early going into my senior year. So my first game in high school as a senior, I, I was committed. So, so who, else, who else was in on, on, on you back then? Yeah, so I uh, started, you know, kind of really getting recruited probably my sophomore year. Um, had good AAU teams. I was always really lucky to be on really good teams. And wherever I played, we won. So it was like when you win, good things happen. Right. So I started getting recruited sophomore year. Sean Sutton was, you know, heavy. He was at all the practices. Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State. Billy Tubbs at Oklahoma before. Um, and then he left, and Jason Rabideau and Kelvin Sampson came in kind of right around my junior year. And then, of course, Nolan at Arkansas and uh, Brad Dunn. So those were kind of the local schools. And, and Tubby was at Tulsa. And Tubby, you know, Gigi and I played on the same uh, team. So, his son. His son. Yeah, yeah, on the same AAU team. So Tulsa. But it was kind of the local schools that were that I was, you know, naturally uh, drawn to. And then my junior summer, I was, uh, I was at a camp in Kentucky, and Rabideau was watching me. And Rabideau and Godfrey knew each other because of, you know, Pac-12. Basketball. Pac-10, Washington yeah. State, I believe, and all that. Yeah. And Godfrey saw me and liked it. And got and Godfrey and I had a connection because my high school coach recruited Mark Godfrey to ORU. Wow. 
Okay. And when he was in Alabama, right? Growing up in Alabama. Yeah. And then he transferred college and went to Alabama for college. But so oh, Mark, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So, so Mark, you know, saw me there, put the connection and he started recruiting me and he was really the reason I ended up probably at UCLA. I, I connected with him. I mean, you know, similar type, but he probably saw a little bit of his game maybe in me, you know, shooter, you know, Sure. So, uh, well, I'll say this: He did talk you up, Lloyd. I mean, he yeah. came back after he first saw you, and you know, he was really excited about you. Uh, he put a lot on on it about you, and so we were really we were ready. We were ready for when you were coming in. Who's this white boy from Oklahoma? The, the shooter from Oklahoma? They keep talking about, and I, I, we had this. I, let me get your. Let me. So let, let's get back to the story. Gottfried loves your game. UCLA, I don't know about love the game. I mean, UCLA offers you, you accept, you sign. Okay, you go through your senior year. Yeah, tell me about the first day you stepped foot on campus in Westwood. Do you rem- do you remember that day at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was uh, came for a summer. They had like a summer program, so Jelani and I came in early. Jelani McCoy, Donald's. Yep, yep. And I'd met Jelani because him, Moose, and I played in the Boston shootout earlier okay. in the summer. So I'd known, and we're roommates. So Ryan Bailey, Ryan, Ryan Bailey, yes, sir. Ben Sproul, you know, a dorm room about as big as this office, you know, two beds on the seventh floor, co ed, you know, dorms, <laughs> public showers being long. So <laughs> first day, uh, I, it's kind of like out of a movie. I came to UCLA with like a backpack. Like I just got on the plane and came. So landed Sproul, get picked up. I don't remember how I get to the dorms. But the next thing I know, I'm in like a Honda with Ike Nwankwo and Marquise. <laughs> and we're going over the hill to uh, Burbank to play pickup at the at the Jordan Dome. First, so, so your first day at UCLA in Westwood, Ike Nwankwo, Marquise Burns, two members of the 95 National Championship team, they pick you up. And take you to the lot of Warner Brothers, where Michael Jordan is filming Space Jam. And the first day you get to LA, you get to experience the Jordan Dome. That's your first day, dog. I didn't realize that was your first day. First day, and I actually think I got a couple minutes on the court because it was before it blew up, and then only guys like you and Charles and you know were getting the minutes. I ended up going a lot, but I'd kind of hang out and I'd watch the OJ trial. And drink the free Gatorade on the couch while the games were going on. Because after a while, the games became where, you know, it was like Charles was getting on, Toby was getting on, you would get on, but not everybody would get on. Like, you didn't always get on. Describe the scenes, the cast, the characters that you saw or rubbed elbows with at the Jordan Dome for me. Oh, I mean, from the NBA standpoint, it was was everybody. It was Rodman, it was Penny, it was – uh, Jack Haley, it was, you know, all the all the people that you used to see at the men's gym would be, you know, kind of and then it just blew up where you start seeing people on the sidelines like it was a game. Like you'd see who was it that I remember Bill Murray was in the building. I also I remember Jada Pinkett being there watching Grant Hill play. Because that's around the time that I think they kind of had something. I don't know if they I let me not speculate. I also saw um we also hung out with Superman. You remember Dean Kane? Dean, you remember Kane. Super? Yeah. We used to, we used to we used to play one on one with Superman all the time. Uh, major stars would be Queen Maybe. Latifah. I mean Tom Hanks. I and mean he had the sound system. He had the huge TV. He had the sectional couches. 
right next to the weights and you tell your name at the gate and go in. And that was kind of my introduction to, to UCLA basketball was that. What were you thinking just as a kid fresh off the plane from Oklahoma? Were you feeling feelings of like, oh, shit, this shit is crazy. Like this is some this is, I wasn't ready for this. Or were you excited and just embracing the opportunity? I was pinching myself just and just, you know, it was uh, embracing the opportunity and just and going with it. Yeah. 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 That's all you can do. You can only yeah. go with the flow. What is, had you, had you seen Michael Jordan in person? Before? No, no, uh-uh. never. Yeah. Describe your, describe the feeling of, of when MJ first walked in the gym. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, and and he'd walk around, and, and he was cool because there was a he played with a guy from around Tulsa named Steve Hale, and he played with him. He graduated from Jinx in the eighties, and I, you know, we were in crossing. I came, you know, he he didn't give me shoes like he did you, but I said, <laughs> you know, hey, I'm Brandon, I'm from Tulsa, you know, I know one of your old teammates, whatever. Hale is like, oh, you know, so he was cool. Uh, but just to have that kind of interaction with him, and he had the the cut off with the shorts, and you know, and it was just, you know, it was a crazy. It was crazy. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com, and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. It was a crazy summer. It was a surreal summer, Lloyd, to be in in the mix with all them cats. Well, because you guys had just won it, and. You know, it was still – you had it yeah, – L.A. was kind of buzzing about the, the championship. Yeah, it, it was kind of cracking. I, I don't think people really kind of understand. They're like, oh, UCLA College? But they people don't understand. It was at a time when the Lakers and the Clippers were, were real down. Right. They weren't very good. Um, the Dodgers, Angels. Yeah. Dodgers had the Deo Nomo. That was like the big – The big know. thing. And there was nothing to really speak of. So the city kind of – gravitated towards our UCLA 95 team and we ended up winning it. And and after that, as you experienced, it was, it was incredible. I guess I want to stay on this a little bit, just talking about that your freshman summer. At what point did you get comfortable around everyone and around just, just UCLA, just, just yeah. being there. You know, you're from Tulsa, Lloyd. Yeah, he, gave, yeah. he gave you a hard time about the way you talk. I think you had on some Birkenstocks when you got off the plane and some the open toe Jesus sandal. And so we were kind of like, this guy right here, what's up with this dude? Where did you get comfortable, though? Yeah, day one or yeah. even before. Like, I, ne- yeah, it was like right from the jump. I felt like it was like where I should be. And I loved everybody was just cool. So, and so from the jump, it was like, let's go. Me, me and Lon hit it off. We were like, you know, we're because we were freshmen. Tommy Prince was supposed to come, but he didn't end up coming. Yeah. So it was Lon and I. So it was like, and as you know, freshman, you have to do certain things. You got to go to study hall. You got to meet with E. White and get your syllabus. You know, so it's like Lon and I linked up and we had a great time. And then, and then, uh, and then, of course, you and, and Jr. and Toby. And then Charles and Cam and then Dempsey and Myers. So it was like, it was such a, uh, it, it felt like a small kind of family, which it was. It wasn't a huge roster when I came in. No, it wasn't. It was, it was a small unit of guys and it was clicked off. As you just broke it down, Dempsey and Bob Myers, they were crew. They were called the crew. 
I think I forgot what you and Lon were. I don't know if y'all had a name, but I know that Cameron and Charles were H H twenty one, which was their dorm room number. H H Deuce one. And then me and Tobe, I forgot what we were. Well, I don't think I was a part of crew. I think crew was uh wasn't that you guys in ninety four, ninety five? Was that? I think so. I get it confused. I get I get it confused. And then you and Lon got in JUCO and the whole thing kind of. Oh, then Bob and Ike went weight room. I mean, it got ridiculous what we used to do. I mean, this is you're just getting some insight into how ludicrous we were as teammates. We literally gave ourselves names and had allegiances. It was almost like we were on Survivor. No, it's like we we're on Survivor or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta. You know, you had to find the right allegiances in your team and play the right type of politics. And you got to be a chameleon. Sometimes you got to join this crew, and, you know, but then you got to jump over to this crew, but you can't get caught being in that crew. <laughs> and your behavior and your demeanor is a lot different when you go to other crews. Uh-huh. And, and when you're hanging out with these guys, I'm not the same as I'm hanging out with B-Lord and Lon. Uh-huh. Now, those were the days, man. What was your favorite memory? Because, look, the, the year ended up us losing to Princeton. Yeah. So aside from that major downer, yeah, what was your favorite memory from uh, freshman year? When Charles hit the uh, game winner against SC and got the limo. Set that up for us. <laughs> uh, I think it was his birthday, and we were playing at SC. And, uh, I think Sports Arena. United game, and, and Charles hit the game winner. And afterwards, go to the parking lot, and there's a team bus, and there's a limo. Yeah, I I recall I have a little more detail to add to the story, Lloyd. Uh, so I think it was a, it was actually a nip and tuck game. I had scored I think eight straight. We were down. I think the game was tied. Charles ends up coming down on a game winner, pulls up for a jumper. It's good. We're excited. It's pandemonium. We all run to the locker room because we already had a pre-planned situation going. To where we knew the limo was going to be there, and we knew what time the limo was leaving. So it, it was it was that ridiculous. We were we were being idiots. I mean, we were in a dogfight with SC. We're concerned about getting to the shower so we could get dressed quick enough to make it to the limo. Anyway, everybody gets showered. We're walking to the we're walking outside. You got the team bus on on one side. You got the limo on the other side. You got Coach Herrick, Coach Gottfried. Coach Lavin, Coach Romar on one side. You got the limo driver looking at us on the other side. We kind of so we walk up. You know, all of us that are going, we and, and mind you, we got to leave to go to Duke and play at Cameron Indoor Stadium the next day, six a.m. We're walking up to the each car. See Not Coach Herrick in the limo. Hey, see Coach Herrick. Coach Herrick's like, y'all gonna pay for this? Like, if you go in, if you choose to go to that car, you are gonna pay for it. So we ultimately went in the limo. Everybody got in the limo. We ended up going a couple different strip clubs in the valley and just kind of getting it in. We ended up having to report to UCLA Pauley Pavilion the next morning at like 4.30, 4.45 a.m. And Coach Herrick ran our ass into the ground before we got on our flight. But I'll tell you what, Lloyd, it was well worth it. The <laughs> night worth it. Well worth it, my man. And we took the running. I remember when we were running, you were kind of you're you were doing the hands and singing the songs, and so we handled it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the only thing we could do at that point. I mean, to be young, to be so dang reckless and, and ridiculous. I mean, think about it now. If we had kids and 
our sons like, yeah, you guys were herring up. You know, we, we basically tried to speed up through the games because we were trying to get to the limo. Talk about a lack of focus. There's no wonder we lost to Princeton in the tournament in the first round. What do you remember about that Princeton game, Lloyd, like the, the aftermath? Because I don't remember anything. Big lesson learned for me. Never, you know, never show your emotions or you'll get roasted for the rest of your life. So that was good to learn young. Wait, so what does that mean? I don't understand. Expand on that. Expand well, on that. You know, I I didn't. I uh, the Princeton game. I got burned. You know, and you know, I scored a little bit. My parents are in the are in the stands, and then we get beat. And at the end, I was kind of just like, you know, I finally, you know, I'm finally playing, getting some burn, making a contribution, and we get beat. So you know. Well, teared up a little bit. L.A. Times guy gets me, you know. So if I was uh, if it was twenty years later, I'd be a meme. But you know, so timing was well, on my side. Yeah, it was. It wasn't the most flattering picture, Lloyd. It was a full on picture of Brandon Lloyd, and I think your jersey was in your mouth. Yeah. Tears. No, I don't know. Tears. Snot was running out your nose. You were red, Lloyd. It was like it. It was like, dang dog. Like, how you gonna do Lloyd like that? Yeah. And yeah. so we get we gave you a hard time, but I, I for me, man, for me, I just remember I, I just remember blacking out in the locker room. Yeah, oh, you did. Yeah, you're. Yeah, I don't remember what I did. I just remember Gatorade, big Gatorade things. I remember you threw. And oh, jeez. He came down and calmed us all down, but it was jeez. it was a bad forty-one, forty-three. I mean, yeah. you had ten, you had ten points that game. You were zone busting. If we could. Yeah, you're a zone bus, and I I still remember you vividly, like in certain areas on the court, and yeah. I can see the stands in the background, people in the crowd. But I see you raising up on your jumper, and I'm looking under the net. I see it going, and I'm like, "Oh, B Lloyd's on his B Lloyd shit," and it felt great. But um, we took the L. <laughs> it was one of many L's that we took. I feel like at UCLA, I felt like our crew was one of the more underachieving crews. Um, despite tournament success, our regular sometimes in the big games, Lloyd, Kansas. You know, Duke. Sometimes we didn't always show up. Why do you think that was? Yeah, eh, you know, some of those teams are good. Like that, you know, Kansas team that we played. Our my freshman year, your sophomore year, we were up seventeen and a half, and they came back with Rock Chalk Jayhawk with Jock Vaughn and and Paul Pierce. They're just they were good. Scott, Scott Pollard, Rafe LaFriend. Same thing when they came in your junior year, my sophomore year, and they rolled us. I mean, Ryan Robertson, they, they ran it, and they were just a. They were a number one team. Yeah, they were. And then we beat Duke, you know, when they were down a little bit. And Lavin's kind of that first year with the poly rocking. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I look at our records and you have some lopsided games. Like Stanford always got us, it seemed like, you know, bad. That was the one, you know, everyone else we handled in the Pac-10. I felt like uh, Stanford always kind of during those era gave us a, a good run. Yeah, they had our number a little bit. They beat it by 55 up in Maples. Maples and, Massacre, yeah. Yeah, one year, and, and it did have our name. Yeah, I always just, I always wondered when I thought back on our career and, and our time at UCLA and the big games and some of those nationally televised games where we had chances to sort of move up on the seeding line and the yeah. tiers instead of getting a five seed in Indianapolis, maybe we got a three had we done things differently in non-con. I think non-con was our biggest Achilles heel for our careers. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. It played out all right. Uh, you know, it. as far as the overall experience, when you tell your, you talk to your kids, and, and, you know, you're telling them, if you've ever talked to them about 
UCLA and college and what it was like. What what type of stuff do you tell them? Like, what are your favorite? What was your favorite takeaways? I guess from from UCLA. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, the list is too long to to go through the takeaways. That's, and I was there for a long time. I was kind of thinking back before our conversation and. You know, I kind of got there during the championship stuff right after. And then I didn't leave until after 2002 when your brother left. So I, so you were there with Howland? No, Lav. Lav. So okay. it was one year and then, you know, kind of Lav's, you know, remaining time. Oh, and what was it like? What was the post, you know, J.R., Toby, and Johnson era like, you know, with B.D., Brandon, uh, Baron Davis, Earl Watts? What was it like, Lloyd? It was different because because Big Lawn wasn't there, so yeah. it was really. And then the class below me was Sean Farnham. So, you know, it, we were it was it was the new crew. So Rico Hines, you know, and Moose were kind of kind of the old remnants of the old crew, um, and Frank the model. So that's kind of yeah. who I Todd Remazar. <laughs> and then all the new guys were awesome. So you had you know you had Booger and, and Earl coming in. And then after that, you had uh, Jerron and Matt and Ray. And so it's like. Were you there with Dan Gazurik? Yeah, his freshman year. Moiso? Moiso? Moiso, Ray Young, Matt. Yeah, that was, I was a senior. And I had probably had a case of the senioritis my senior <laughs> year. So I probably wasn't as dialed in as I should have been. Uh, I knew I probably wasn't going to get a ton of burn with Booger coming in his sophomore year and Earl. So, um, but. That was a talented team. Holy smokes! That seemed my my senior year. The uh, with with Gavzurik and Moiso and Matt. I think there's six pros on that team. Yeah, I mean that was a big time squad. I, I think you guys what lost? Wait, or, uh, we got beat by Detroit. Yeah, first round. Yeah, Detroit first round. That's when Farnham was the good luck charm, and yeah, that whole situation happened with Detroit. Yeah, La- laugh. What did you? <laughs> laugh used to get a lot of heat. Um, I used to read the paper after I left, uh, get the LA Times, and I and people. They, it seemed like the heat picked up on Lab after we left. Why do you think that is, Coach Steve Lab? Why do you think the heat picked up on him in LA? Uh, probably just timing. You know, whenever you're, whenever someone's been in the papers for four or five years, you got to kind of switch the narrative. But yeah, thinking back of him getting the job when he was 32 and and doing what he did and how he's handled it and 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 did it's just unbelievable to me. Yeah, being th- being thirty two, huh? Being thirty two years old as a head coach at UCLA, I'm, I mean, unreal. I'm forty five, and I'm, I can't imagine, you know. Uh, so, uh, Coach Lab, they always say about coaches like you can't really, you know, judge a coach until twenty years after a player's done playing for him. You yeah, know? yeah. And Lav, when that, you know, you start judging him then and what he is as far as like a mentor, not a mentor, but just a friend and a, uh, you know, someone who has his best player's best interest at heart. It's uh, he's tough to beat. Yeah, no, he's, he's one of the best, one of the best dudes. Yeah. Um, when you were in the coaching field, did you like it? Yeah. yeah. I like being on the team. So that's kind of, I think, why well, that's the best part in my opinion is the, that you're part of um, a crew. So kind of similar to playing that you can kind of recreate what that means. It's like, you know, so you're all, you're at the same practice at the same time, you're trying to win and you have those relationships. But outside of that, it, it just really doesn't stack up to playing by any means. So 
What was the worst part? What was the worst part about being a college coach? Uh, I think just being an assistant. I mean, it's always, you know, the culture of uh, college basketball. It's, you know, you're in the office until the, the head coach leaves. And it's that kind of whole, you know, assistant coach, head coach culture. And it's, it, it feels like it, it just doesn't feel like it should. I don't well, know, I really know how to explain it. I'll explain it. But it's it's almost, you know, like, you know, the head coach is the absolute ruler, if you will. And the dynamic sometimes is, you know, the assistant isn't in that position. So sometimes, you know, the head coach might make you feel like, you know, wait a minute. Hold on, man. Yeah. I can understand. I can understand that. But hasn't it always been like that? Lord? Is, is, it, has. is it worse now? Is it, is it, it only are you noticing it now because you actually been in it as a coach? Yeah, I'm probably speaking out of turn because I was, you know, when I was at Hawaii is 2014, 2015. And that's a, that was kind of a, a, just a unique thing, how that all came together in the first place. Um, Cause I had gotten out of coaching. I was uh, after college, I got into coaching. I was at UCLA, went to, like you said, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. Then I was a D2 coach in LA at Cal State LA with Stevie Thompson for two years and Davey Nye. And then I got out that time and got into insurance and, you know, um, but like 10 years later, I get back and I get on at Hawaii. Uh, and so I had a one year run as an assistant coach at the University of Hawaii. And that could be a whole different podcast. The cast Why? of characters. <laughs> were, were, were y'all heavy in the portal? I mean, all transfers? Was It was Hawaii all transfer type situation? Or uh, how did you, how did you get your... International kids, so some Serbians. We had uh, um, some Serbian connections. We had California JUCOs, and then we had uh, a couple of transfers. But I went in there as like an unpaid volunteer assistant coach for Gib Arnold, who is uh, his dad was Coach Wooden's assistant. So he was the uh, assistant coach at USC, and he got the job. And very similar to what happened to Coach Herrick my freshman year, happened to Gib Arnold in 2014. He got fired? Fired. And what? And I was probably the bad luck charm. I brought Coach Herrick and Dave Odom to one of our practices <laughs> like, like three days before Gib gets the axe. <laughs> but when Gib got the axe, they, they elevated the, uh, the assistant coach, Benji Taylor, who's now at Tuskegee down in Alabama coaching as the head coach. And another, and one of Gibbs' assistants also got let go. So I went from a volunteer assistant, couldn't be on the floor coaching or recruiting, to a full-time paid D1 assistant in the Big West at Hawaii doing scouting, doing practice plans, recruiting, you know, going. And uh, we had a great run, great group of kids, won like 23 games, made it to the Big West, uh, finals got beat by UC Irvine to go to the tournament. Mm. And uh, long story short, Benji, it was it was done before it started. He was never going to get the job, even if he won the national championship, in my opinion. They had it out for him. Mm-hmm. So they had their guy they wanted to hire. So he didn't get retained. And I was, you know, that's the part about coaching that sucks. It's like you got to move every couple of years and you're only, you know, a couple of years away from getting fired because of the turnover in college these days. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. 
And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. What are the biggest differences between a University of Hawaii and a UCLA as far as just the experience? Obviously, at Hawaii, you're coaching, so you didn't have the player side of things. But from a program standpoint, like, you know, how we're we're always curious about how things are done at other schools, Lloyd. Yeah. I'm curious about how things were done at the University of Hawaii compared to, say, a UCLA. Is it that big of a a discrepancy or difference between high major and mid-major basketball? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, you go to you know, pregame meal, you're getting an appetizer, entree, and dessert at UCLA, Hawaii. You know, you get a couple Subway? of pizza. Yeah, Subway. So the budget stuff and just the amount of you know, resources from a Big West to a Pac-12 school uh, is, you know, noticeable. What, what about, I, I guess, specifically how the players, the, the attitude of the players, are players – on that level, do they have a big chip? Do they kind of have attitudes? Are they, you know, in your experience, are they are they more locked in versus yeah. what you've been around on the high major level? Yeah, now I couldn't really tell. You know, the, from my experience of why those those guys are ballers, and you know, like Garrett Nevels was on that team. I don't know if oh he, yeah, he's nice. He's nice. I mean, so it's like I think on that Hawaii team from that fourteen fifteen team, I think six guys are still playing pro ball. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, so the you know, ballers are ballers. I don't care if you go to a high major to a JUCO to a, you know, really good high school team to an NBA guy. Like a basketball player is a basketball player. Yeah, and it, that's you know, so I never saw really, you know, and they all kind of act, you know, from everything from the way they approach life to the way they approach the game to the way they approach each other. Yeah, basketball players kind of they're not tough to pick apart. No, not at all. Do you think there's been a, a major change in the way the game is played between today as it was during our era, or yeah, has or is is I know the threes. Cause, I mean, obviously the threes thing, but other than like the threes, the shooting of the threes all the time. Yeah, how different is the game? Yeah, than it was twenty years ago. Way different. From from like late nineties, you know, is is a lot more hand checking, a lot more physical guards, a lot more getting through screens. Um, and I don't think guys were as skilled now as they, you know, I don't think they're as good as shooters as back then as they are now. Um, in a whole, I think guys just shoot more now. I think there's more, you know, gyms gym access, and I think guys just put up shot after shot after shot. Um. But it's just, I think it was so much more physical as a ball handler back then, you know, trying to just get the ball up the court. You had a good guard that just hawk you, you know, and make you turn a couple of times and be able to have their hand on you. Like that's a, that was a different deal. That was Arkansas's whole deal. They, you know, make the ref call a foul. Nolan's whole philosophy was like, just wear that wet ref's whistle out, make them call it. And they just hack you. And, you know, where now it's not, um, not like that. So when when Pete, when you say hand checking and bringing the ball up the floor, you're acknowledging that hey, that type of impeding impediment of progress can drain you physically, right? It takes the wind out of you. Correct? You end up being tired after a while, Lloyd. Is that right or not? Well, I mean, I give you an example when I, you know when Baron, I was you know kind of a practice guy, and then, and I'd play scout team, and Baron would pick me up three quarters. I couldn't wait to get you know. It's just like you're. After you do a couple of, you know, zigzags and get in the operational area, yeah, 
And if he's got his hands on it, it's going to make it even harder. Yeah, so I guess that my point, Lloyd, for bringing this up is because I, I'm always just – I find it curious. Whatever new generation talks about the old generation and who could play where. And you got Charles Oakley saying that Giannis would have been a bench player. And just you got older guys always talking about physicality. What do you – I mean, you coached the game. You know the game. You played the game. What do you think about that theory that – uh, old school, a new school player couldn't play in the old school because the old school too physical for new school. Yeah, I'm going with the old school just to go with the old school. I like Rick Barry. <laughs> just because you got to choose the side, so I'm going to choose that side. But just think, about, think about like peak Derek Harper guarding somebody like you know <laughs> peak Derek Harper dog Kirk. with the real with the real hand check on your pelvic bone. Yeah. Jesus. On your pelvis bone, dog. Try to do the two dribble step back with that. You know, I'm <laughs> sure you can if you practice it enough, but that's not, you know that's some. If the ref's not going to call it and you're allowed to do it, yeah, I mean that's the, that's the tougher. And, that's, and then coming up under your ankles. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that went on that people just kind of take for granted. And oh no, all the guys would have adjusted their bass, their you know their fine tuned athletes. I'm like, you got to grow up in that to be ready for that, like. Like the think about the first time you played against a team that came out really pressing and just yeah. act. Yo, you got it's like a whole new type of world. This yeah. isn't the this isn't the basketball that I know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And yeah. so you got to get used to it. You got to have tons of reps at that energy and at that frenetic type pace, man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I agree. I agree. When when we look at when you look at this year's UCLA team or even last year's UCLA team with a roster that's sort of stacked it's got pretty good it's got three guys on that team are in the top five finalists voting for small forward of the year jaime jaquez tiger campbell as the point guard of the year which is the bob Cousy award and johnny juzang is one of the top five shooting guards in america when you look at this team boy and i know you follow them do they remind you at all of any of the teams that you played with at UCLA? Or do any of the players remind you of anyone in particular that you played with at UCLA? Juzang has a little bit of Toby. Toby? And why? Because he's light-skinned with curly hair, dog? Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. You know, the look. You know, there's two guard, the mid-range. You know, Toby could, you know, do that. But Toby's bounce, man. Toby's bounce Way was different. so ludicrous. Yeah. Um, what about Jalen Clark, the, the kid out of – the Inland Empire. He's kind of a, he's kind of a he's kind of a do everything guy. He can handle. He can shoot it. But he's a tough as nails on defense. Always kind of, and you know, I always say Mitchell Butler, and I say Mitch because Mitch at that size six five, he he could guard one through five. He used to jump center at UCLA. He was he was the jump he used to jump center, and he would make plays that just would defy the imagination. He spent twelve years in the NBA as well, so that's not a terrible. Uh, comparison. I look at Jaime Jaquez and what he's able to do, and it's tough for me. You know, I see, I see a little Jr. in Jaime. I see a little Matt Barnes in Jaime at times. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, Jaime's got a pretty unique game. I haven't really seen too many guys that at that size with his athleticism that can in that sort of just ruggedness to go yeah. along with the the fluidness. You know what I'm saying? Tiger reminds me of a combination of a bunch of old UCLA point guards, you know, from Tyus Etney yeah. to Larry Drew to Lazaric Jones. Those, those, he's like a he's like a combination of those three to me. 
and just the way he plays the game. The thing I love about him the most, obviously, is his IQ. I mean, he's 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 super smart and he's a leader, and and I love that part about him. What what do you think though about the freshman Peyton Watson? Peyton Watson is super. Uh... Talented. I mean, you, you watch him, you can just see the the length and the agility and the the natural skills. Um, it doesn't seem like a, you know the role. I'm I'm curious to see as you know only what one game left. I think they have SC and then the the conference tournament, and the, it'd be interesting to see if he can in the tournament get some extended minutes and see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, I think the tournament would be a good place for him to kind of let go of whatever was going on the year. Let's let's flush it. We got a whole new season. You know how I think uh, was it Lav where or one of the coaches I played for in my lifetime would break down the season into three different seasons: preseason, conference, and the postseason. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of how it went there. Yeah. Um, what are you doing now, Lloyd? Uh, insurance. Insurance. Yeah. yeah. Live in San Diego. And uh, yeah. What's that industry like? How's the insurance industry treating you during the pandemic? Good? Uh, yeah. Insurance in, insurance industry is okay. So okay. other than basketball, the only thing I've ever known is insurance. So okay. I'm doing it, you know, off and on 20 plus years. So yeah, I enjoy it. It's uh, it's uh, it's rewarding and it's uh, it's interesting. Do you ever still shoot around at all, or go to the gym, or yeah? Some shots yeah. Up? There's a there's an outdoor court by my house, so uh, yeah. Sometimes I'll throw in the the ear pods and and go get some shots up. You, you know. still got game? You still I'm, got jumper? I can still jumper? shoot. That's it. I can't, but you know, it's probably similar to my game before. <laughs> I, I can shoot. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not going to guard you, rebound, or uh, do a lot else. Oh, Lloyd, you used to, you, when you were locked in, Lloyd, you were pretty doggone good. I yeah. mean, you know, I don't know what happened uh, in, in where you you kind of you know you know were just starting to chill a little bit, but uh, I feel it. I feel it. I always respected it. You you never you were always a straight shooter. We always knew what time it was would be Lloyd, <laughs> so it was like, hey, what can you do? What can you say? You know, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but uh man i really enjoyed our conversation today my brother and uh, i'm glad to see you doing well man thank you for coming on man and spending some time with me today dog thank you stani i appreciate you ladies and gentlemen brandon lloyd ready set griddle this grilling season get the weber slate rust resistant griddle with a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools it's pre-seasoned and ready to cook on right out of the box it's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge. It reaches up to 500 degrees. The Weber Works Prep cook and store system keeps cooking supplies handy, and you can carry all the food, condiments, and utensils you need. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant